Welcome to the Expert Speak, a service of the Florida Psychiatric Society. I'm Abby Strauss, and thanks for listening. The focus of this podcast series is generally on different diseases and how to manage them. However, it's equally important to take a step back and look at some of the larger statistics and trends about the actual delivery of health care. Every year since 2003, the U.S. Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality has reported on the status of healthcare in the United States, what improvements are needed, what are the disparities in healthcare, and what is the quality of healthcare delivered to our citizens. Today, joining us is Lieutenant Karen Ho, who is with the U.S. Public Health Service and the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality. Thank you for being with us. There are two reports, one that deals with the quality of health care and one that deals with the disparities in health care. These reports are quite detailed and clearly are the result of a tremendous amount of work. As a beginning point of information, you can get these reports by going to www.ahrq.hhs.gov. Okay, today we're going to focus on the issues related to obesity. How bad of a problem is it? Well... From the year 2003 to 2006, the population of kids 6 to 11 years of age became overweight to the point that it went from 6.5% of the kids being overweight to 17%. And for teenagers 12 to 19 years of age, it went from 5% to 17.6%. Before we get to our guest, I want to read a little bit directly from the quality report. The section refers to the monitoring of overweight children, but the themes actually apply to adults as well. Let me begin. American children are getting heavier. Overweight children are identified using a body mass index, BMI, based on national data collected between 1963 and 1994. Children with a BMI value at or above the 95th percentile are considered overweight. Every pediatrician has many copies of these charts. When health care providers alert young patients and their parents about their overweight status, A new opportunity is created to encourage the development of healthy diet and exercise habits that may be carried into adulthood. But here's the problem. In the years 2003 through 2006, overweight children, these are kids under 11 years of age, overweight children were less likely than overweight teenagers, and the teenagers are kids from 12 to 19. So overweight children were less likely than overweight teenagers to be told by a health care provider that they were overweight. By the same token, the questions were asked about the number of times that a health care provider gave advice about the amount and kind of exercise, sports, or physical activities that a child should begin. The statistics are rather chilling. From the year 2002 through the year 2006, the percentage of children for whom a health care provider ever gave advice about the amount and kind of exercise, sports, or physical activities improved from 32% to 37%. That means over 60% did not get it. However, in all the years, uninsured children were less likely than those with any private insurance to have received advice about the amount and kind of exercise, sports, and physical activities. So, Lieutenant Ho, please explain to us a little bit about the history of why you're looking at obesity. And one of the things, if you would, is the fact that you've assigned the topic of obesity to lifestyle modifications. I think that's interesting. Well, the measures on obesity that we have in the reports really came about from a growing concern by the department, the issue of obesity in adults and in children. So starting in 2005 reports, we got data from the National Center for Health Statistics.
from their National Health Interview Survey and National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. And these measures focused on care given to individuals and in relation to obesity, the advice that they got from their providers. And we have measures on adults with obesity uh, who were advised by their providers that they needed to eat healthy foods and also um, advised by their providers that they need to exercise more. And these same measures we have for children who are told that they are obese. So are people getting the proper advice? Are they being educated by their providers sufficiently? Well, the findings show that not all children and adults who are told that they are obese are getting the advice to watch what they eat and to exercise more. So someone who's listening to this would have to ask the question of a kid goes in to see a doctor and the kid, and the kid is obviously obese and the doctor's not saying anything about it or it's not happening enough is what your data is showing. That, that, I find that very discomforting actually. Yes, and there, there could be several factors. I mean, it's not just talking about doctors not giving the appropriate advice for taking care of, of their, their weight, but also it could be an issue of access to care, you know, where they're getting care if patients are in primary care provider setting where the doctor doesn't spend enough time with them and they have several different things that they're seeing the doctor for, Talking about weight and exercise may not be a priority. They may be talking more about you know, lab results, test results, other more acute conditions. So that, that may be an issue too. Is there a problem with those who have insurance versus those who do not have insurance? Is that pretty clear cut? That is a very, very important factor. Insurance coverage, we have seen throughout the reports that People with no insurance have worse care, worse quality of care than people with insurance. So again, access is a, is a big issue. When I thumbed through the report, I also found that there was some good news that from the years 2002 through 2006, that there seemed to be some better communication between the doctor and the parents of children. It's not enough. I mean, the numbers were still too low. But the statistic that jumped at me was that when a kid has special needs, and some of that could be obesity when all the things that lead to obesity, only 46% of all the kids got the package of coordinated care that they needed. Again, it's very discomforting to hear that these numbers are so low. I mean, for some it, some people, this may not be much a very big surprise. People with special health care needs, people with disabilities, they're encountering the, the health system a lot more often and may not be you know, as satisfied with their care um, for, a, for a number of different reasons. Um, of course, there's the complexity of, of health care and medicine, and they may not be meeting all of their needs sufficiently. Did your data delineate the differences between different cultural groups or different areas of the country? Is the South better than the North or the North better than the South? Is there any trend in that direction? In the quality report, uh, we do have some state-level data and there, there are some trends that, that show that some, some regions, especially a region where there's a high proportion of people living in poverty, that the quality of care is worse than um, others. In the disparities report, we, we do uh, look at the data by priority populations, which are the racial and ethnic uh, minority groups, as well as by income. 
comparing people uh, living in poor communities versus people living in high-income communities. And in the, in the many measures, uh, minority groups are do worse than, than the white population. And is this across the board for all your studies or just more for obesity? No, across, across many different conditions. In fact, looking at colorectal cancer screening, minority populations, we do see a significant gap in those that are getting screened for colorectal cancer compared with white. One of the things that is troubling is that we live in a society that obesity is so obvious, you just have to walk through the malls or down the streets. And the obesity issue is clearly key in so many ways because it is the sixth leading cause of death in the United States. What's interesting is that with the number of kids becoming obese, we're going to face eventually a very severe medical problem of the number of people with diabetic problems. Do you see any trends that seem to be reversing this, or are we hopeful, or are we not hopeful? Where are we going with this? Well, there's certainly a lot of attention being paid to um, obesity and um, you know, promoting healthy behavior. And so I think there's a lot of reason to be hopeful that the trend can uh, reverse, and and also with more more recent data than what we have in uh, the reports here from CDC, uh, we do see that trends in in obesity are somewhat stabilizing in the most recent years, two or three years, and so I, I think the you know in the future and in, in the near future that that will be more successful in addressing this problem. One of the things that you mentioned in the introduction to the studies is that the first thing is to identify the problem and the next thing is to begin an intervention. So I'm hoping that the fact that obesity is stabilized a bit would suggest that your identifying the problem is helping to feed into an intervention in the problem. I also want to mention that the measures that we have in the reports on obesity focus mainly on you know care that's being provided by an individual's medical provider, the physician, Um, and a lot of health interventions are also beyond what occurs in the doctor's office. So, you know, interventions in the community, in schools, you know, in other, other places that really look at modifying health behavior is also really important. Do you see much change? Are the teachers talking more about this? Well, I don't. I don't have direct experience in that, but you know, we we do hear about other other interventions, and, and I think school interventions are. Uh, I, I hear more about. What intrigues me is that your data is it captures so many areas. What type of response do you get to this data? Now, I'm under the impression that your mandate was essentially to give this to Congress as a report to Congress, and then everyone else can pick up and read it. Are you getting a good response from this from the information you're publishing? Yeah, we do. We do get a lot of inquiries. Sometimes I think our, our data poses more questions than answers. But well, that's wonderful. And definitely, state policymakers are also very interested. A lot of hospital systems, healthcare systems that are also doing their own work on quality improvement and disparities reduction look to these reports as national benchmarks um, for their own data and research and hence the importance of knowing about your work and disseminating it as widely as possible. You talked a little bit about the cultural differences. Are are these major differences in the quality or disparities in the type of care that's given to anybody with obesity? Well, it's 
It's um, cultural differences, but I, I think, as you alluded to earlier, there's geographic differences, I think, and socioeconomic differences, and those are all intermixed uh, in playing a factor in when, when we um, see these disparities in our data. One of the things that struck me also when I was reading the report is that some of the interventions that are recommended, for example, people talking to adults about weight, healthy exercises, talking to mothers about getting their kids to have enough activities, going out and playing and, and eating good food, is that the interventions are relatively simple. And it's talking to people and making them aware of it. it. I guess that's why you went back to lifestyle modifications as opposed to something more esoteric. Right. And also from a, a user's perspective of the report, lifestyle modification was, was kind of just made more sense in terms of locating this information in that, you know, when we talk about heart disease, we're, we're talking about hospital care and recommended care. But thinking from a prevention perspective where we're talking about really um, healthy behaviors and, and lifestyle modification. And which frankly puts a little bit of the responsibility back on the family and the patient and not exclusively on the medical system to take care of the problem, although the medical system has to kind of move things along. Mm-hmm. Well, we also view consumer engagement, you know, it is really important that quality improvement is not just looking at, you know, the healthcare system, but also, you know, becoming more involved in your, in your healthcare. I think this is critically important, and I do appreciate the work that you folks are doing. I will, uh, again, repeat that if anybody would like to, to look at the reports, they're on the Internet. They're kind of long to download, frankly, but you can order them at www.ahrq.hhs.gov. These are the healthcare quality and disparity reports. They are published as of the year 2009. There's little doubt that increased body fat leads to increased mortality and a host of medical and emotional problems. And many of these problems can be avoided or reduced by avoiding or reducing obesity. The information in these reports give us some clues in the direction that we may need to go to help reduce the problem. The Agency for Healthcare and Research Quality has been giving us this information for a number of years. And from these insights, they have given us some relatively simple suggestions how to deter the problems. We are very pleased that Lieutenant Ho has joined us to give us an overview of the agency's finding. Thank you so much for being with us. Sure. Thank you very much.